Mitch Trubisky, I can at least walk through and be like, at least we went for the guy that we wanted. That's fine. Mitch is a quarterback that we never wanted. You know, you saw... You guys before the show, a lot of people like this one as well. That's the one! That's the one! <laughs> Same this guy... John, you my man! You my man! I love this one! This one's a keeper. I don't care about anybody else. I can remove my team. That's a keeper. Do you like go this ahead, John. <laughs> I'm guy, if he brought if my sister brought him home, I'd be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but he but seems like, so sweet at the same oh, time. Oh, he does. With his glasses, with his glasses, I get yeah. it. And he's getting paid the highest out of all the quarterbacks. So sit down, Nick Foles. I am so sick of this guy. I'm Who sick of him. You? Get rid of him. Trade him. Do whatever you have to do. Corey, we're yeah. about to the moment. <laughs> this is where I bring all the sub stories, folks. This is. There's not one of these other outlets that you're paying for. You're paying for the truth. You're paying for the athletic. You're not paying for the Irish Bear Show. And you're getting the scoops. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to remain professional and compose yourself in your God's sake. <laughs> we- this uh, this whole show is getting deleted, guys. Just so you know, <laughs> no, it's not. It's, n- it's never <laughs> going to be on. Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. We are back to uh, react to what we got to see in that hour-long or hour and 15-minute-long press conference. I'm joined again, kind of coming back. I know you were away for a little bit. No, it's, it's good to have you back. Look, Jeff, always a pleasure having you on the show. It's There's a lot to break down here. Um, there's some really interesting points of this press conference that we got to see. Jeff, I'll start with you. What's your main takeaway from listening to two, to these two guys for the last kind of 90 minutes or so? So uh, point one, just super impressed. Uh, the presentation felt different to me than the ones we've seen in the past. I, I was hoping they would hire a head coach who was a front-of-the-room type guy, a, a, a leader of a whole team. He projects that. I mean, he projects as a guy who's going to coach all three phases of the game, he has a plan, I think, for everything. I took a bunch of notes, just a couple of, of major points. Ted Phillips not being there is a major point. Ted Phillips has been at all of these for 20 years. Uh, this was George McCaskey's hire. George went out of his way to say that it was his decision. Ryan Poles went out of his way to open his commentary by talking about George picking him up at the airport. When we were making jokes about that, we all said, this is not common. And it was a, clearly a big deal to Poles that George picked him up at the airport. And I also liked the word I heard out of both Poles and uh, Flus, speed. They both opened. The first thing they talked about was speed. It's something this team has lacked. It's They are not an explosive group, especially on the offensive side of the ball. That seemed to be where they were going to, to really influence things. And I liked towards the end, the little moments I just took a note on. Uh, Flew seemed to get excited at the idea of Getsy and Fields getting in a room together. He got a little gleeful. Like, there was a big smile on his face. I mean, those are just the big takeaways. But just overall, I thought this looks like the kind of pairing that that is going to be very easy to root for. They might succeed. They might not. But uh, I thought it was a very successful opening presser. Yeah, look, no, I think the key thing that people will take away, especially when we talk about Ryan Pauls, and we'll get into kind of some of the things that they that they said and how they kind of exuded confidence, I think, is one of the key words that I get from it. But there was one line that I think everybody's going to remember and people are going to play back. And I'll just put it at the bottom of the screen here. So when he says, we're going to take the Nord and never give it back. 
again, that's a that's a big statement to make in your first really within like the first five minutes of them talking. So same kind of question to you as I asked Jeff. What was your main kind of takeaways listening to both the new GM and new head coach? Um, similar to Jeff, I, I was impressed. I don't know if it's what we've been dealing with for the last few years. Also, I'm, I'm not a big press conference guy. For me, it's, you know, you can tell me anything you want, but show me on the field, and, and that's that's where I want to see it. But still, it was nice to see those guys in there today because I don't know if it was in our text group or another one I'm in, but someone said, oh, this is refreshing. The adults are back in the room. And it, it felt like that. It, it actually felt like these guys had a bit of an aura, like, you know, Everflus, I think definitely, as Jeff says, he he does give off that kind of, you know, that that confidence and that he can actually run this football team. I love the fact he's not going to call the plays. Some coaches can be a bit, you know, on a one defensive guy. I want to do that. I love that he's going to hand that off to someone and he's going to concentrate on the team. I mean, just in general, I know Jeff, I'm sure it was Jeff reported during the week that like, this was Paul's decision. You know, other people had different different ideas and who they wanted, but this was his. And you could see between them, you know, that's what you want. Once I know that that GM picked that head coach, those guys wanted to be there together. I mean, it's perfect. I'm like, I'm looking forward to it now. I'm really, <laughs> we've so long to go to the season, but I do. I like what they said. Now, again, anybody can say anything in a press conference. You know yourself, unless you're Mark Tressman talking about, you know, selfishness and undiscipline. You know, in general. A press conference will be fairly good, but it's it still there is an aura they give off. And another thing Jeff said, Ted wasn't there, and that that was very very obvious. And it didn't feel like a normal Bears press conference because we didn't cut back to him sitting there. So in general, I'm positive. You know, I, you know, it's like anything. There's still questions on what's going to happen with the staff and stuff. But on those two guys there, I mean, yeah, all good so far. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Jeff, are you going to go out and kind of buy some plasterboard that you get to run through a wall for these guys? Because it seems like there's a lot of people saying that in terms of, for me, it's the confidence that they exude. And I, I said it on Twitter while it was going on, that it seems like adults have finally entered the building again, <laughs> that we have professionals coming in here. And you get that confidence that even though they can't say specifically what they want to do, they have a very good plan for how they want to attack this season. I liked a dynamic that started to build during this press conference. I mean, again, this is not about wins and losses that this, this press conference will have no impact on wins and losses. Uh, the media who have embarrassed themselves in this city about this team for the last few weeks, while I've been panting them routinely have, uh, we're trying to start shit again in this press conference. They were digging for shit and, if you noticed, these two guys were not having any of it. Th these are guys, even Poles at his age, which, I mean, he's super young. They were ready for this. They were ready for what they were going to get. They were ready for these sort of dopey questions about Justin Fields, a guy that they haven't even sat and met with yet because they're not allowed to. I mean, because this is, there's yeah. a process here of what you're allowed to do. So um, th th they are going, this is going to be a leadership group that is going to have full command of what they're doing at all time. That's a great thing. Now, again, don't you don't know what wins and losses mean. The fact that George stood up there by himself, sat up there by himself, was the owner. I and I've been having fights with a, a certain friend of mine inside the organization about this. I feel like something changed for George McCaskey at O'Hare Airport a week ago. I feel like that was the night. That was the moment where he decided 
that that just a fan shit doesn't fly. I've got to do what I have to do to get the right people running this team because this is my team. Now he's still a goofy bastard and he's still gonna make crazy decisions. But there's there this is a change. This process was a change. And while yes, Bill Polian was there, and by the way, Ryan Pohl speaking glowingly about Bill Polian while that was getting killed on Twitter for two weeks. Uh, Ted Phillips was there, Soup was there, but George again made it very clear. It made my decision easy. This was not a group decision on Ryan Poles. George McCaskey hired Ryan Poles. Ryan Poles hired Matt Eberflus. The process here, it worked. They got their top choices right down the board. Now, those guys might not work out, but it worked. I think you saw a result of that work on that desk today because those two guys are ready for this moment. They are not overwhelmed. That media could not break them. They are ready to run an organization. Now it's about getting the right players and winning games. Yeah, one of the things that I wanted to bring up because it started to piss me off towards the end because <laughs> you have all this availability of two of the guys that we wanted to find out about and some of the questions that got asked by the media. The, first, the two things that I picked up, the amount of the same questions that got asked to Matt Eberflus to me was ridiculous. Like he's answered it once. There's only so much that they can give us right now because, for one, like you mentioned, they haven't met any of these players. They haven't watched any type of the team other than what they would have had to prepare for in the interview. And then, for me, the most ridiculous question was the question confirming whether they had the same agent. Who who gives a shit? Like, what fan really cares about that? And Nobody. Nobody cares. Yeah. Ridiculous. ridiculous. Exactly. I'll give, you that, two other, I'll give you two other. I'll give you two other questions that were absolutely fucking absurd. You worry about your message bearing thin with the players. The man hasn't coached yet. <laughs> and they asked him if he's worried about his message wearing thin. They haven't heard the fucking message yet. And they're worried about it getting wearing thin. And then Mully, listen, Mully's been doing it for a long time. I got no problems with Mully. But he actually asked a question today, and I'll paraphrase it. How do you plan to score more touchdowns? Okay, now, I'm no football expert, but I don't think Matt Eberflus is going to sit there and go, well, here's what we're going to do. On first down, we're going to call a short screen. It's a fucking absurd approach to a press conference. Every the the multiple uh, the, the multiple questions on the same topic is because they don't listen to each other. That's very obvious. They're not listening to each yeah. other. They're all waiting for their moment to speak. Uh, a couple of very good questions about sort of philosophy. Who's going to call the plays? Great question, right? Uh, why was this job appealing to you? Good question. They're not going to get. They're not going to kill other organizations because they know at some point they might have to work for those organizations. Yeah. So you're never going to get them to kill anybody. Uh, but but the stuff about uh, the, the castle intrigue, the palace intrigue, who's your agent, how long are your contracts, nobody cares. Nobody cares except for the guys in that room who are have been so antagonistic towards this organization for years is why they're on the outside looking in when there's information to be shared because nobody wants to share it with them in the building. Yeah, it was one of those things that, like, this is the perfect opportunity for fans to find out from the GM and head coach because at the end of the day, from now, the next time we're probably going to hear them is a free agency. And then finally after that, we'll probably hear from them at the draft. So this is the one time you really get to have all that availability. And some of the questions just, they're mind-boggling and how ridiculous that some of these can be. And look, no, I, I do want to kind of start it off, like, because we talk about the questions, I guess, in terms of the media, but then also you do have to put a little bit on the Bears fan base as well, because 
some of the ridiculous reactions on on Twitter. The first one from the very like offset where Ryan Poles was getting emotional from he's like reached the big goal of his. He's thanking his family and there's people bitching about him on on Twitter. Like no, for me I find that that's absolutely ridiculous because he you can clearly see that he's family first but also likes to he puts his heart into everything that he does for his organization for people to literally go in and talk shit about it. i'm like i'd rather that than fucking what we had with ryan pace where it just looks like he's a fucking robot up there and like you can't get any anything else true and look what was your opinion first i guess on the level of questioning like i mentioned to to jeff but then some of the ridiculous reactions like people were actually freaking out that they weren't talking about Justin Fields for like 20 minutes. Like at the end of the day, like we mentioned before, they haven't fucking met him yet. Absolutely. No, look, at the end of the day, Justin Fields is going to be a very important part of the future of this franchise. But but he, he's a quarterback who, as you say, they will meet down the road and they will discuss with Getsy and everyone else and what they're going to do with them. For right now, this was just about getting these guys in, seeing who they are, what they're, you know, what they see going forward in, in general for the club. But I mean, how dare he be emotional about getting to the top of the mountain after all these years <laughs> and getting that job? You know, God, what kind of person is he? As you say, you have, you know, Ryan Pace sitting there, just very monotone, very, well, okay, this is a person and he has he has emotions, great. And maybe it was also a little bit of nerves. I don't know how often he speaks, you know, to the press and kind of in that. So who knows? Like, but there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't impact on how the man's going to do his job. So, yeah, I mean, I know now I... I Joke and you put a tweet out when we heard the the why, but I mean, I only meant that as fun. Like, you, but some right. people, you, you're right though, they do jump on as if there's a problem. And look, the guys are the, they're only at, in the door. You know what I mean? They only sat down at the table. Like they they have to be given the chance. But again, I was I was imp- impressed with both of them. And yeah, you said some of the questions were ridiculous. The the press got, conference didn't go ahead. Sorry, I got two points on this crying shit. Okay, number one. There is a bullshit masculinity that 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 is that is in the sports subculture that I do hope somehow people like us talking about it can diffuse. Uh, it's bullshit. These aren't actually more manly than anybody else. I I tweet about West Side Story a lot, the new version of the movie that came out, and people think that that's somehow a character flaw. That I love this beautiful work of art because these are meatheads. They're idiots. And unfortunately, there's far too fucking many of them on Twitter. Second of all, this is a brief story. First play I ever wrote. I'm a theater writer for people who don't know. First play I ever wrote. I was in the audience, watched the first dress rehearsal. And afterwards, the director asked me to thank the cast for the work they put in. We weren't paying them very much. And I fucking loved it. Didn't know I was going to lose. Didn't know the emotion would overcome me. But you're sitting in an audience and there's the cast. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, this thing I've been thinking about doing my whole life, it's actually happening. And that moment overwhelms you. And that's clearly what happened to Poles here. He's not, what is he, 36? Like he's yeah, 30 yeah. and he's running the Chicago Bears. And when he got to, I, I actually put a note down. He choked up on Brett Veach, the GM of the Chiefs. And I thought, yeah, of no, course he did, because that's probably his primary mentor, the reason he's here. And in that moment, it overwhelmed him. Can I add one other thing from my notes to say, 
I thought the story about him proposing to his wife by renting a sailboat off Navy Pier. I'm like, that's the shit I want from these press conferences. Yes. Let me know who you are as a person. And it showed that he has ties to the city, that he has a romantic view of what it means to, to be in Chicago and win in Chicago. And for any meathead jackass fan out there who thinks crying because you've achieved something is somehow a character flaw, I would hope you'll find a way to grow up at some point. Or at least get used to being blocked because I'm going to start knocking you off one at a time. Yeah, absolutely. And look, while um, this is while this is happening, it's very interesting. While everybody was kind of mounting that they weren't talking about Justin Fields, look who seems to be talking straight after the two guys. Justin Fields is in the building right now, and he is talking. And look, for all those people that are worried about it, he's probably going to be talking to them. But I just wanted to mention a couple of things that he said. So Justin Fields has said that he found it weird that he had to share the leadership role with Andy Dalton this past season and that it'll be easier for him going into the season knowing that he is the, the full-time starter. So there's that. He said he's excited about the new offense. He's excited to learn from a defensive head coach. And look, one of the things that I picked up from this, Jeff, and I've been saying it throughout the entire process and I didn't, I didn't care realistically who was the head coach, but I wanted a head coach. I didn't want just an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator. We got confirmation of that because Maddie Iberflus, or as we like to say, Derflus, has told us that he is the head coach and that the defensive coordinator would be calling the defensive plays. What was your reaction when you heard that from them? Uh, I was thrilled. I mean, I was, I was quite legitimately thrilled. I also... You know, he's got Alan Williams who's going to be his D.C., and Alan Williams is a hell of a coach, and Alan Williams can call defenses. I liked what he was talking about the other side of the ball. I liked when he was talking about having 12 meetings with Getsy and the offensive staff and all of them getting together and designing what the offense is going to be. You know, so often I hear fans get obsessed with you're taking a coach from this tree or from that tree or an O.C. from this tree, and you want to run what they do or what they – that's not how this league works. Bill Belichick changed this league. Well, the league is week to week now. You don't want to just line up and do what you do every week. You want to do what's going to beat the opponent every week. And I think the way Eberflus was talking was the right way of talking, which is to say, let's get into a room with Getsy. And I, I do think Joe Brady is going to be the off, uh, the quarterback's coach. Let's get yeah. into a room with these guys. And let's take Justin Fields' ability. Paul said this a little bit. Let's take these abilities that he has. All right, let's accentuate what he does well. We know he does these things well. That's in our game plan. But then let's take those four or five things he doesn't do well and let's start knocking them off one at a time. Let's start saying, okay, you're going to focus on not putting the ball on the ground. Another thing for my notes, it's all about – I never heard a phrase this way. It's all about the ball is what Iberflus said was one of his one of his points about you got you got to protect it and you got to take it away. Very Lovey Smith. And for somebody who thinks the Lovey Smith era is wildly underappreciated, I think that's the kind of return they need return to that belief system of run to the football and take it away so yeah i think this is i think we got a head coach now again we're not, i know none of us are telling anybody these guys are going to be 12 and 5 next year but the process and the system feels right they still got to get the players that's what matters more than anything else they've got to get the players and the quarterback's got to improve but the system the structure of this organization for the first time in a long time feels right yeah, absolutely. And look, to go back to to polls, because he spoke for quite a bit at the very beginning, and I think one of the interesting questions that came up, I think it was Adam Hogue that uh, asked it. It was one of the first questions in the press conference. And essentially, he asked about the kind of front office staff and how we already know that Ian Cunningham has kind of come in 
And then they deviated the question to the idea of analytics being an important part of the Bears front office, something that we know the Bears previous front office had a very, very small part of kind of the analytical approach that we've seen many other organizations take. And the one thing that Polo said is that that's definitely something that they're going to look into, that he wants to meet with the guys in the front office. As he, he knows well full well, that even though change happens in the front office, doesn't mean everybody goes. He was a carryover from, what was it, two or three different general managers. So that will be an important process for him. So, no, I'm going I'm to ask you this. What was your opinion of, I guess, first of all, hearing that the Bears have now actually hired an assistant GM and it looks like if he get, if Paul gets his way, that they'll be able to restructure this front office in the way that he sees fit. Over the last few days, I was going to bring it up. I think that may be one of the things that I love most about this this whole process. They absolutely, just the thought of them getting another football guy in there that he can, you know, they can work together and they can, they can bounce ideas off, I think is, I think we've, well, some of us anyway, have probably been asking for it in the show for, for a little while. I, I love it. And then I was just looking into Ian Cunningham and obviously he's, been at the Ravens when they won a Super Bowl. He was at the Eagles when they won a Super Bowl. He's had multiple different positions within both organizations. So this is a guy with experience. I think this is this is a fantastic move. I think it's again, it's kind of pulling the Bears into the you know into the present day football and and not leaving them behind there. Where you, you just have those extra guys in there who have ideas who can help him out. Then I mean, because as Jeff says, he he is young and I've no doubt he can do the job, but. Still, it must be nice for him just to have someone there. I'm sure he's probably as long as he's not, you know, he's someone who I would imagine has a similar philosophy to him, who he wants to bounce ideas off, and you know, who can call him out when maybe you know, maybe he doesn't think he's making the right decisions. But but in general, though, just the the whole process of having the assistant GM brought in there now, I think it's it's, it's a great idea, and it's, it's it's great to see now. Hopefully, yeah. it'll it'll pan out. But yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's interesting. I know we're kind of switching between the two because there was so much to kind of break down. But, Jeff, one of the things I think that's very evident in terms of what was mentioned is when the media were trying to kind of pester Matt Eberflus about offensive football, all that sort of stuff. And the interesting thing that he kept coming back to were the offensive coaches. For me, when I heard that, it seemed like he knew who he wanted as the offensive coaches, not just that where we're hearing of these different people that are interviewed, the way he brought about it, it's like you can kind of tell that he knows who he wants to bring in. Obviously, oh, yeah. they got Luke Getty already. You mentioned on the show that right now the main name for the quarterback coach is Joe Brady. Um, yeah. What was your opinion of kind of the way he kind of went about those types of questions? Because it can often be difficult when you're a defensive coach to be able to completely talk about the offense and vice versa if you're an offensive coach in that first interview. The general theme today that I think is sort of being missed on in the Twitter world, which is that they didn't want to go into real specifics on anything. And there's a reason for it. You don't start talking about players until you had time to evaluate those players on tape. You don't start talking about offensive philosophy as a head coach until you've sat with your offensive coaching staff and developed that philosophy. So if he would have come out today and said, we're going to be power run, play action, deep shot offense – then Luke Getzey's probably sitting there going, well, am I, do I get a, a in this? Like, do I not, like, why am I taking this job? The one thing on Getzey was that offer was made to Getzey as soon as Eberflus was hired. So while they were interviewing other people for the OC job, a couple were just friends of his. He wanted to sort of bump up and get the interviews. 
Uh, Pep Hamilton was definitely brought in. He was brought in sort of as a backup plan because right now you just can't trust what's happening in Green Bay. No one, yeah. everyone was very confused. So if Getsy had come back, like no one knew what was going to go on. So Getsy just got, that was his focus. That was his target. I wrote one other thing he said today. Flew said, I know we're all over the place, but actually I wrote two other things. Uh, everyone's knocking him for being vague, but I thought it was interesting to say, talking about hustle and intensity and all these things. He kept coming back to the fact that he was going to measure it. If you notice, he said it multiple times, and we're going to measure that. And I kept thinking, yeah. well, that's, that's really interesting. So there, there's going to be data, and maybe that plays into – I think this word analytics gets thrown out now to mean everything. Like there's yeah. analytics that tell you whether a running back is good on third down, and there's analytics that tell you you should go for it on fourth and 30 no matter where you are. Like there's analytics for everything. I think it's just about the accumulation of data. And uh, polls use this great phrase, to challenge what your eyes see. And, it's, and yeah. that's become the big debate, I think, in the NFL, is that some, a lot of us, who are, I have a much more old-school approach. You know, John Wood, who writes for me, has an article coming out in a few weeks. I've, I've hesitated because it's pretty negative, basically challenging the idea that David Montgomery is a good running back because the, the data and the analytics say otherwise, that in all these yeah. different situations and in his production and all his measures, but if you ask me, David Montgomery is a good running back. Yeah. So it, it's what you want to do as, as a successful front office is take both of those approaches and say, okay, if the data says one thing, but your eyes say one thing, how do you make those things work together? Like how do you play all of this information into one mind and then make roster decisions accordingly? And I thought a lot of that came out today, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's, I think it's a good day for the bears generally. But I think that Flus's offensive approach is going to be predicated on that staff and him getting into a room before April and spending two months building it out and then looking at the talent they've got. You know, you're not going to run a heavy screen-based offense with David Montgomery. Okay, that's not going to happen. Now, you add Tariq Cohen back to the team if he ever resurfaces or Jakeem Grant becomes a role player, maybe you do. So it's 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 all it's all about the collaboration of all these different elements. Expecting him to have answers today is just silly. I know, 100%. And it's one of those interesting ones where you say, where we're talking about Ryan Posen's, when he was talking, I guess when they started mentioning like the draft and him trying to, when he mentioned how he wanted to build through the draft. And the one thing that I did like that we didn't really see or hear a lot about under Ryan Pace was the fact that he wants people to challenge him. He doesn't want that kind of everybody just agreeing on everything. That's important that if you really do believe in a player that you do challenge the general manager, even if you're not the big decision maker, obviously there's other people that were asking him, how do you accumulate picks? I'm like, we know how that happens. <laughs> like, what, what is he supposed to say? He's going to say, oh, yeah, I just want to announce that Khalil Max getting traded, Eddie Goldman. Like, it, that doesn't happen, right? We know how, so we know that. Yeah. I'm going to go on Amazon and buy picks. Like, what, 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 what do you think he's going to do? How are you, how do you get, how are you going to plan on getting more picks? Well, I, I'm going to steal some from the Eagles. Like, you know, like only one way to get more picks. Exactly. Um, it's, it, it is, but what I, I think what I mainly took from it is that these guys show confidence and you can clearly see how Eberflus is going to act in front of his, in front of the team. Because you can see that this is a guy that really is ready to be a head coach. Whether it works or whether it doesn't, I don't. That's fine. I just don't think that we have to be too kind of worried about if 
if this can work. I mean, we're not going to get like a fucking Tretzman situation again where the guy can't speak to his own locker room. So that's one thing I think is really, really important. Look, it is. There's, there's so much that we can kind of get through on this. Um, look, one of the things I did want to talk about, because again, it's going to be one of the keys to whether this is successful or not. Obviously, they weren't going to say everything about the roster because they can't. One of the things that did kind of bring up is that they confirmed that the base defense is going to go from 3-4 to 4-3. Um, again, I think everybody knew that was going to happen anyway with the way Iberflus has done things. But I thought what was interesting was saying that he was involved twice in the switchover from a 3-4 to a 4-3 defense, which I think is really, really important. So he actually has the experience of how to do it. And if there's a guy on the roster that doesn't fit it, then they'll have to see what they can do with that. So Jeff, in terms of in terms of that, and you see how this defense will be a little bit of a transition here. What do you expect kind of going forward? We've seen we know the majority, I think, of the defensive coaches already. A lot of them from Indianapolis are joining, which again in its own right says a lot about the head coach that's joining the Chicago Bears. Uh I think it could be the kind of change that helps people understand how good Roquan Smith is as a player. Uh, in that structure of a defense, he's going to be a superstar. He just absolutely is. He already is a superstar talent, but I think this will elevate him. I would wonder if if uh, it'll have any impact on a Khalil Mack or Robert Quinn. I don't think it will. I mean, these guys are already hand-in-the-dirt edge rushers. They'll very naturally go to a 4-3 to a setup. Uh, I don't know whether they have the sort of defense tackles fit that setup. I mean, I'm not sure an Eddie Goldman fits that setup. They'll probably cut him anyway because it's a pretty big savings if they do. Um, I think it'll benefit if they go to a more sort of too high shell look primarily with a 4-3. I think it's a a natural fit for Eddie Jackson, who Mm -hmm. is much more of a center fielder than a box safety because he can't really tackle. So I think he'll fit well in that center field role, and I think that Iberflus will find a way to use him there. yeah, no, I, I think that the transition will be the, – the defensive base isn't all that important anymore because you're, you're going to yeah. be in yourself most of the time anyway. You're going to be – as soon as a guy throw an extra receiver out there, your base doesn't matter. You're, you abandoned it. So uh, I just feel – I like that he's coming in and he's running his defense. Like I just don't come in here and try to fit around the talent that's here. The talent here isn't that good. I mean, yeah. yes, they have great edge rushers, but that you're you guys you guys just got this job because the other guys weren't good enough. So put in place what you want in place. If that's a free base and if guys who are here don't fit, send them out of town. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I want to bring this to you, Noel, because in saying that, the one thing that he mentioned that I thought was really, really good is this whole idea of I know they're kind of the low system, they have the board that's up there, they have for a lot of fans that didn't realize that they have kind of existing kind of players names that are on this board that's kind of continued on and the fact that you're going to see guys like Pino Tillman, Brian Erlock, Lance Briggs that are going to be on this board from previous times from when they've used this to now that's only good for being it within this organization obviously there's going to be one thing that he's that he constantly mentions is effort speed tenacity and if you don't have that, you won't be playing under this head coach. So in terms of actually seeing, like we've mentioned for some guys, people keep mentioning that either Khalil Mack or Robert Quinn could go. I, you, I can't see either one of them. They're actually, like Khalil Mack was an all pro as 
a four or three defensive end for the Raiders, right? With Robert Quinn, who's more aligned to being a defensive end. Jeff's mentioned some of the defensive tackles, but when we look at this defense as a whole, how important do you think it's going to be that some of these guys actually are going to notice that there's some of these great Chicago Bears defensive players that have been in this similar system and have excelled in it? Yeah, no, of course it's important. I mean, look, no matter what you talk about the Bears, we always look back at defense and we, we look back at players like this. And, and it is important to, to look at that. But in terms of, you know, as you say, talking about the players fitting into that system, I mean, look, who knows what will happen. They were talking earlier about getting draft picks, how you get them. Maybe they may look at Robert Quinn having a great season. Maybe look to capitalize on that. Maybe not, as you say. He had a great season. Yeah. Maybe maybe Elder Flus wants to see him in there doing it again. I mean, Mac has had a he's had a break probably for the first time in a few years to actually get himself fully healthy and, and back to 100%. So, I mean, Elder Flus could be looking at that and thinking those two fully fit, you know, on form and ready to go could be unstoppable. Do you know the kind of way? So, it's in terms of, we'll never know what they're going to do until they take, as they, yeah. they sit down themselves and they work out exactly, as Jeff was saying earlier, about the offense, but about the defense. They sit down and they work out everything that they want to do. And having just come in the door, it's, it'll probably be a little time before they even know what they're going to do. But in terms of the board and the names, and look, how can you not be, be impressed by those names there, you know, players to look back on like that. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's going to be really interesting now. And I have to say, it's just, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. The season's way too far away now at this stage. But again, everything we're, we're, not, even, we're not even finished this one yet. We're we not even done with it now. We still have a Super Bowl to go. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's, I guess it's great just to have that bit of optimism again. Or, or you know, it got so bad the last couple of years with Nagy and Pace. And it was, at times, it was just, it, it was a grind. You know, that kind of way it was. But just to have this optimism now, to have a coach like he refused there who, Really seems like he he knows what he wants, and I mean, he also made a point to talking about the uh, penalties, getting rid of stupid penalties, and I mean, I'll be all for that as well. But yeah, look, it's just it's exciting times now. Yeah, it, hopefully it'll live up to it. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people were have been talking about that, and especially when it comes on to defense. And like Jeff said, like really how much is this team going to be in a base defense right it's we've said before it's roughly about 70 percent you're in nickel anyway so it's about finding the players that fit the mentality of the defense that he wants to incorporate and look there'll be some guys that are currently on this team that they'll see that don't fit it there'll be others that will and for others that they're not sure of especially higher profile guys like we've mentioned with eddie jackson that this will be a big year if he gets put into a position where he should be successful and still isn't making the necessary plays, then you'll know what will happen in the final in the next year. So it is going to be an interesting one kind of talking about that going forward. Now, now that we've kind of spoken about what we have learned from them, now it's kind of the projection moving forward. We've already heard about some of the other kind of defensive guys that have come in. We know that Luke Getty has come in as the offensive coordinator. So before we move on to kind of talking about some other targeted coaches, all that sort of stuff, Jeff, in terms of Luke Getty, I, I tried to mention this because Bears fans like completely lost their shit again when Pep Hamilton wasn't hired as the offensive coordinator. And the one thing that I've always said is that you have to give guys their opportunity. You can't just always get kind of the same offensive coordinators that go around the league because we find all these new offensive guys all the time and they have success. Lugetsi obviously hasn't called plays in, in the NFL. 
He's been, he was the wide receiver coach for quite a while at Green Bay. He was the quarterback's coach. What makes you excited that this is the offensive coordinator to pair with Justin Fields? Uh, there's not, I, I wouldn't say there is a reason. I think what you have to trust at this stage of the process is that the head coach knows what he's doing. And the head coach targeted this very specific individual. He's super well regarded in the league. Every Everyone I've talked to about this guy thought it was a home run hire. I have no, how do you know what the coaches are doing in a particular program? You have to trust the opinions of people who are in and around it. So uh, Eberflus knows he's just come from a, a program that has had his seasons sabotaged by bad quarterback play year in and year out. A good roster with no quarterback. He knows how important it is to solve that position. So the, the guy's not going to go take a shot on some rogue candidate and, and, and hope. He picked the guy that he thinks is going to get the most out of Justin Fields because that's what his future depends upon. So uh, I trust this coach to make the right decisions for the program. And again, if he makes the wrong decisions here, it's it's going to ultimately cost him his job because if Fields doesn't play better over the next few years, Iberflus will be fired in a few years. That's just how it works. So uh, I I everything I've heard about Getsy, I haven't heard one negative comment. Uh, they think he's innovative. He already's gotten head coach interviews. Like the league really respects the guy, and so I say give him a shot. I don't I don't think the previous play calling experience all, matters all that much anymore. These guys are all so involved in these rooms. All these coaches can basically do it. Uh, I think I'm optimistic for, but that's just based on the opinions of others. Yeah, exactly. I've always said it there that it it used to be such a big thing that you had your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator, and those are kind of the main two guys on the two sides of the ball. But like when we look at offense now, and I know people hate this kind of word, the collaborative approach, but that's what it is on offense now. You've so many different ideas and it's not all the same. Like, we keep talking about how Matt LaFleur is the um, kind of the play caller down in Green Bay, but then we talk about Hackett gets a job elsewhere. He gets a head coaching job. Getty got a interview with Denver as well. You have the new offense or the offensive line coach that's been promoted to offensive coordinator. And you look at many different scenarios. Just look at the Sean McVay tree. Like how many coaches have gotten hired from there and then have ended up being the play caller and you're <laughs> – I know not everybody's happy with kind of Zach Taylor and some of the play calling yesterday, but at the end of the day, he's in the Super Bowl. So, like, you do have to remember that you have to give these guys a chance. And that it's look, the NFL, we all know it's a sink or swim type business. You either have success early on and you can kind of build on that, or you don't. Look, there's obviously been quite a lot of rumors then in terms of the other offensive kind of position coaches that could possibly come in. I know the one that you've kind of mentioned on Twitter so far, Jeff, is kind of Joe Brady for quarterback coach. Has, of what you know, has anything changed on that? Is it still kind of the main kind of target that they have for quarterback coach at the moment? I I believe so. I think they're waiting to see if Joe Brady uh, wants to be an offensive coordinator. He'll have a couple of offers for that, both at the college level. I don't think he'll have any at the pro level, but I think Joe's just waiting to figure out whether that's what he wants to do. And I, I expect him to be, uh, the offensive coordinator. I, I've heard rumors about the offensive line coach. I've heard, I, I think people are making some names up. Uh, I, I'm not going to talk about Bill Callahan. I have not heard that from anyone yeah. inside the building. Now, maybe maybe that ends up happening, but I've heard that anyone. I've seen it as a rumor. Uh, a name that I, I would be interested in is the assistant OL coach in 
Indy right now is Kevin Mawai. And uh, I think Kevin Mawai is would be a solid choice to add a little baller to this offensive line. And one thing I, that Indianapolis gives you the template for, man, if you want to be a power run team, that's 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 your model. So if that's an element this team wants to have, I think bringing in someone like Mawai would be a great choice. But uh, no, I have not heard of any other than, than Brady and uh, Sanjay Lal, who he interviewed for the offensive coordinator job, would not be surprised at all if he's the wide receivers coach. Been around forever. Everyone knows him and respects him. But uh, no, other than that, just, I've just heard Brady, and I, and I do think Brady will. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because he's the typical candidate that you saw how well he did at LSU. Comes in, had some terrible quarterbacks that he had to deal with down in Carolina. A lot of people earlier on in the season kind of were saying, is he a potential head coaching candidate at different places and now we're talking about him as possibly being a quarterback coach or like you said there were rumors that I think it was Miami um, was one of those in in college football that were thinking of offering him the offensive coordinator job down there so there's a couple of different scenarios there so it makes sense that he could be just kind of playing it out and just waiting um to see what ends up happening like we said, it's. I think it's a big thing when you see there's a lot of guys on the defensive side of the football that are following um, Matt Eberflus because, again, it shows the leader that he is, even though they could potentially see kind of promotions in their position but have decided to come and join him um, with the Bears. And in terms of that, Jeff, how impressed are you with some of these coaches that are going to be coming in? Because we saw kind of that indie defense. We saw not last year, but the year before, and they were – pretty dominant defense to try and run against because that was our main course of attack. So how happy are you to see that there are a substantial amount of coaches that are coming from that defensive side in Indy? Well, it's critical for Iberflus. So, you know, Iberflus, we talked about a lot in the last half hour, is going to be the head coach. The last thing he wants is to teach his defense to some new coach coming in and have that coach have to call his defense and have nothing but oversight. You know, when Alan Williams calls this defense, Eberflus is going to know what he's calling. They're going to be in step, and that means he can continue to be the coach. So if, if if they're on defense and Eberflus feels he has to go talk to Justin Fields about a mistake he just made on offense, he can feel comfortable that Alan Williams is going to call the right the right defense. If you've ever watched Bill Belichick on the sideline, I think he's the most interesting coach to watch on the sideline, other than Pete Carroll, who I believe walked 40 miles every single game. The Bill Belichick will quite often leave that sideline area and spend time with his OL, with his quarterback, uh, with the defensive backs. He spends time with everybody because that program is run where he is not worried about anybody. He knows that everybody on that sideline, because he coaches his coaches as hard as his players. So now Eberflus can know, all right, Allen's got the defense. I can go deal with this issue we're having on the sideline. Or Getsy's got the offense. I can go deal with this on the sideline. It's about comfort for him. So it's not surprising. He's so well-respected that the coaches are following him. Uh, and I think Alan Williams was a big get. And I think it sounds like now the folks in Indy are going to just go a different direction with their defense. They're interviewing Jim Schwartz, I believe, yesterday. So I think that, that you, would see, you could see even more guys. Uh, and he mentioned Rod Marinelli in his press conference. I think Rod Marinelli is going to come here and coach the defensive line. I really do. They are super close. Rod Marinelli is the best defensive line coach in the, in the NFL. And – uh, that would be a, just an absolutely brilliant hire. Yeah, I, I think that's a it's definitely a obvious one now. I think I think the fact that Basaccia got a, a head coaching interview just I think it was with the Jaguars today. Um, 
was an interesting one because that was one that Brad Biggs had mentioned that the Bears had zeroed in on as the special teams coordinator, obviously kind of linking those with Rod Marinelli as well, who was the defensive line coach for Rich Bisaccia while he was kind of the interim head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders. I would assume he was one of those guys that I actually I mentioned before, even though the links kind of came out in relation to when Brad Biggs' article came out because, again, both guys worked with each other at Dallas We've seen there's been some other guys rumored, but it kind of brought me back to one of the questions that was asked. And I don't think it was the the thought behind the question from whoever asked it in the Chicago media. I think they were asking it more in terms of the offense, but having an ex kind of or a more experienced kind of head coach, someone that can kind of relate to the players. And honestly, it kind of brought me to that kind of axis of having a Rich Basasha come in, who you can tell those Raiders players loved him and were actually sad to see him kind of go. It's, a, it's going to be a big change there going from Basaccia to Josh McDaniels. But uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. So if he were to be the special teams coordinator, how interest, how I guess important is that? Because again, the special teams for the Bears this year were, were quite good. You see Chris Tabor goes off to Carolina, um, especially when you consider that Rod Marinelli has that link between both Matt Eberflus and Rich Bisaccia. I think it's huge. I mean, I, I like the idea of a coaching staff with a Luke Getze and a Joe Brady because then you have a backup offensive coordinator. I like the idea of a coaching staff with an Alan Williams and a Rod Marinelli because now you have multiple guys who can call the defense. And if Rich Bisaccia has proven anything, is that if you're in a pinch and you need a, a guy to fill in as your interim head coach, there aren't many better options out there. And with COVID probably not going away next year, and who knows what the pro- – I mean, let's all hope that we're not even talking about it next year. Yeah. But, like, having an interim head coach might be as important as having a backup quarterback these days. So I I just think as we we talk about the full picture, I mean, you I don't know what Dan Quinn had planned, but the staff wasn't this good. And I honestly believe what we're seeing is a fully functional, professional staff that Eberflus has clearly been planning for a long time because this is happening very quickly and these are serious guys he's hiring. So, uh, you know, uh, the, the, by the way, the Raiders thing, man, that's a locker room shift. Basaccio yeah. is a tough, tough move. But, yeah, I, I I don't have a single complaint about anything Eberflus is doing when it comes to this staff, and I think you're probably going to be completed here. I would be surprised. Basaccio's not going to get the Jacksonville job. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't get an offer from the Bears – in the next couple of days. I mean, whether he takes it or not, who knows, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Yeah. Because look, for a lot of these guys, unless you are getting that head coaching job, it's about kind of getting with the staff that you believe in. And also guys that you can get on with, because like, obviously you want to be on a talented roster. If you're a young kind of up and coming coach, because you want to be able to put yourself in that position to get a head coaching job. And look, I think that would be a very important hire. I think it's, getting somebody experienced that like you said the amount of times this year that teams had to have an assistant basically an assistant head coach or somebody step in and the fact that he has done that and he brought the Raiders to the playoffs and like like you said you just have to look at what some of those Raiders players have said about him they know he's gone and they have a new kind of system coming in and that's like we said it's going to be really really tough to kind of for them to make that transition the one thing that I really like here is that you have these guys that are coming in that have a clear plan in place that they know what they want to do. They're not going to tell you about the plan because, again, 
Noel, you mentioned it yourself. The most important thing is that press conferences are one thing, but the actions speak louder than words. And I think that's really, really important. And we heard that today from Ryan Poles for many of the different scenarios, right? One of the key things that he said, obviously they'll be talking and they'll be kind of watching film for the next couple of days. But the main thing then he said, he's off to the senior bowl. So he's straight on going to be working, going to be working with his scouts. And you can tell that these two guys, they just want to get to work. They've, they're past this part, this kind of like pony show where you have to do this big introductory press conference. They want to get to work because they know that they have to kind of help this football team. And they mentioned how they want to build on some of the weaknesses. And I know they weren't going to say, but I think some of things indicated they know that they need to get better at the line of scrimmage. So what is, what's kind of your, as we kind of come towards the end of the show today, Now, what's some of your, kind of biggest takeaways as we move forward for the Chicago Bears offseason? Because we've got, obviously, the GM, got the head coach, we'll await the staff, but then there's a lot of work that has to be done. There is. But as Jeff said there earlier, it feels like they've had this plan in place in their head before they even came in the door. Things just feel like they're they're moving along at, at a nice pace. So, look, at the end of the day, you know, as you said, the press conference is done. They just need to get down to it now. I'm sure Pauls has been has been dreaming about being in this position for a long time, having a scouting background. I'm sure he's already well ahead on what he's going to be doing, what he's going to be starting to look at. I mean, in terms of Eberflus as well, I mean, as somebody who coached against the Bears, he will obviously have an idea of Bears players, you know, from, from last year when he was scheming against them. Obviously, there's a few little changes here and there since then. But it's it's just about getting down to it now. I mean, getting the the offensive, well, getting all the staff in, but getting the offensive guys in, getting work on that plan for Justin Fields because he he is the future and he is now unlike last year, he is the starting quarterback, and it, it's time now for him to take that next step up in his, his development. But yeah, it's just putting their plan in action now because I mean, the, the, there's nothing else to talk about now. They, they're in the door, they'll get their guys in, and they get their plan in place, and then. You know, it's it's time to just move on from the old regime and, and look forward then. Yeah, absolutely. Look, similar question to yourself, Jeff. There's a lot of work to be done now. You can kind of see that these guys want to kind of hit the ground running, that obviously free agency is going to be important. But one of the key things that I think Pauls did mention is I, I know everybody took it from saying that they want to kind of build through the draft. And obviously that's what a lot of GMs are going to say. But the fact that he said that they're going to be cautious in their approach when it comes to free agency and it's getting the right guys and not just kind of spending wildly. Like there's a lot of people saying that the Bears need to spend here and here and here because they've all this money, even though there's quite a lot of players that they're going to have to bring in because of there's a lot of them that are out of contract. I know there'll be some, there's been some people mentioning, well, is there going to be any of those guys that we before I thought we're completely gone and we're going to come back on this roster that now with a new GM in place, a new coach in place, that there is the possibility of that. But when it comes to that point that he mentioned that they are going to be cautious and selective when it comes to those guys in free agency and they want to build through the draft. What was your kind of opinion when you heard that? Because that's always something that you like to hear from a general manager. You know, I, if I were running, one of the things I was told about Ryan Poles when he when he interviewed was that he was not very polite about the thruster, uh, and they really they they appreciated his sort of curtness when he was talking about it, uh, and he was very critical of the offensive line. He's a lineman, like that's that's where his yeah. eyes go. Um, 
And he thinks well, one of the notes I was I was given was uh, he doesn't think Borum is as good as anybody else thinks he is. He thinks that the interior linemen are all in the wrong positions. He doesn't know about Kevin Jenkins, but he liked them coming out. So I I don't I believe that you go into free agency to fill in the gaps, right? When you have yeah. a roster that's ready to contend, you fill in the gaps in a free agency. I'm not sure. I think there are too many gaps right now. If I'm going to go spend money in free agency, it's going to be on younger players with with upside who could fit what Justin Fields wants to do. If there's speed out there at receiver, okay, I'm interested. If there's a young receiver, a big body type guy, yeah, I'm interested. But I'm not going out there and, and, and spending $50 million on offensive linemen right now. I mean, I don't think that's where this franchise is. I would much prefer them to be cautious here, clear some money out, clear some veterans out if you want to, have this draft and then see what this team looks like in the summer. Because, you know, listen, I think they could be good next year. I think this division could be completely up for grabs, but I'm not treating this team right now. Like they are a couple of steps away or a couple of players away from contending for a title in 2022. It's actually not that important that they do contend for a title. It's important that they win and get better and that fields gets better. So I, I would be very surprised if they were, if they were a big player in free agency, I think you're more likely to see one or two pieces added on the offensive side of the ball, then have a draft, then look at what this team is going through the summer. Because yeah, I had this. I going 12 and 4 that first year might have been the worst thing that ever happened to him because all of a sudden the expectations were risen on a team that wasn't 12 and 4. They were not that good. Uh, yeah. I think this team going almost having a 7 and 10 record next year, but showing signs of promise and young development could be a very good outcome going into 2023 with hopefully a quarterback ready to make the leap. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one because a lot of people do talk about the free agent acquisitions and how that's going to be important. Because we do say that ideally you get to fill your holes with free agency so then you don't have to go kind of, I guess, jumping up and trying to get the specific players in the draft and you kind of miss kind of someone that might be higher on your board. So I guess the, the last kind of two questions it kind of goes in with what you're saying and kind of, what we've had a couple comments in the show like saying stuff like we should get the best alignment on the market all that sort of stuff and you mentioned that ryan Poles was quite critical of the offensive line so what would you expect then because we look at it right now and you've james daniels who's out of contract you have sam mustafer that again you can get rid of him very easily if you wanted to cody whitehair again i didn't have the greatest of seasons again we're not sure if he's in the actual position he should be and there are question marks amongst the two tackles. So is it something that you may see this offensive line be kind of reshaken up in both free agency and the draft? And then after that, I'll, I'll come back to the question in relation to the wide receivers. But essentially, the offensive line is where we kind of need to put most of our focus in. So what would you like to see them do, when it do in terms of trying to improve that position group, both in free agency and the draft? First thing polls and and Iberflus have to do is decide what Evan Jenkins is and yeah. where are you going to play so so they got to evaluate his tape there's not a lot of it they got to sit with him they got to see what where, where they think he projects uh if James Daniels is looking for big money from the Chicago Bears the Chicago Bears should not give it to him again what I was told by a buddy of mine at a big franchise the Bears have too many players that are just good enough and James Daniels is not a great player I mean I know Bears fans like him and I, I like him too but he's not a great player and you don't pay these guys like they're great players just because you don't have any better ones. 
So, and I don't think Ryan Poles will do that. So I think he'll look at James Daniels and say, all right, we want to keep you around at guard. Here's what we're offering you. He's a very up and down player. I would, I think Cody Whitehair is going back to center. I think Ryan, I think that's something that came up in the interview. I think Cody Whitehair is a center. I think he's going back to center. Sam Mustafer is not going to be part of the equation. Larry Borum, I think they're going to hope he develops. If, if, if nothing else, if Larry Borum is a good swing tackle, that's great to have. You need him. You need three tackles. So, but no, I think outside of the two young tackles, uh, Whitehair moving inside and Daniels, I don't think anybody else is really in play. And I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't sign Daniels. I, I don't think they value him. If he's looking for big money, I, they're not going to do him. They don't value him that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if in September of 2023, there are five new guys in that group. Maybe not this coming season, but the season after would not surprise me at all if we have five new offensive linemen. Yeah, personally, I completely agree. Like people have mentioned about James Daniels, and yeah, look, it's tough to get kind of good offensive linemen. You also don't want to let guys go out the door. But again, you can't pay him a lot of money because for two reasons: he hasn't played well enough to earn that contract, but also he hasn't been healthy enough to earn that contract as well. When you have a young player that has been injured multiple times early in his career, it doesn't get any better as an offensive lineman. You get way more injured as you get older. So it is one of those I think the Bears will have to work on. It's going to be one that we'll probably see, but they'll hit it in free agency and probably in the draft. Or The one good thing is you now have two guys, two executives in your front office that were former offensive linemen, so they should be able to see some of the traits that work in the NFL. Um, look, second one here, obviously there's going to be plenty of links to wide receivers because people, they mentioned it even in the press conference in terms of how the Bengals were able to kind of shift, like shift everything around. That offensive line still is pretty bad for Cincinnati, but the biggest change that you see is that offense and the weapons that they have. Obviously, they took Jamar Chase, who's turning out to be a fantastic pick at wide receiver. In terms of what the Bears can do at wide receiver, Jeff, do you want to see them go out and spend a lot of money? Do you want to see them go in and be involved in some of these top-of-the-range wide receivers, whether it's if Devontae Adams leaves Green Bay, if there's Mike Williams that people are saying could get a big enough contract, if Odell Beckham Jr. gets a, a bigger contract after getting into the Super Bowl with the LA Rams, do you want to see the Bears involved in those guys? Or would you like it to be maybe two of the kind of smaller kind of style players? So like you look at guys that didn't make their money last year, like Juju Smith-Schuster, who will be a free agent again this year, didn't really... It, I know it's difficult to say when you have Big Ben not really being able to throw the ball as much this year. You have Christian Kirk, who had a good year um, this year with Kyler Murray, but he's a free agent. Do you want to see the Bears kind of in that side of the pool where they'll actually be involved with some of these kind of main wide receivers and free agency? Or do you think that has to be kind of a, a draft scenario going forward? The first guy... I want the Bears to take is uh, is Slate Bolden. He's this shifty white receiver. I'm a big fan of the shifty white receiver. I don't know why these guys all seem to hit in the NFL. If you don't have one, I don't think you have a full complement of receivers. Now, when I say shifty white receiver, I'm not even being racial because Tyler Boyd fits my category of like this. He's like one of these guys, these small guys who seems to be able to cover. Um, I, listen, there's some guys who just got banged up like Chark and Gallup. Who are going to be available? 
again, I'm not breaking the bank though for one of these guys. I, I want, no. you know, Justin Fields clearly has a fantastic rapport with Darnell Mooney, and I think Darnell Mooney will just keep getting better. So let's go find a couple of guys who fit the way he wants to play. And that means in the draft, in the third round, the fastest guy on the board fucking take him. Like, find your Kadarius Tonys. Find these guys who are just dynamic and can do multiple things. Um, You know, ultimately, I think it's going to be very hard to add an elite-level wide receiver without a first-round pick. These guys come from early in the draft now. And it seems like every year, four or five show up in in the league, and and they're remarkable players. Chase is a remarkable player. Yeah. so I, I would I would like to see them use the draft for that. I know they don't have a ton of picks, but but take a couple of shots there and and try to find those young, maybe they were injured, maybe they had a down year. Find those guys who fit what you want to do on a one or two year deal. Hope you strike gold, then you pay him a year from now when he delivers for you in this offense. Uh, and again, I think I think Getsy will have his hands on that process because he's going to know the kinds of players he wants. He's just coached a bizarre receiving room in Green Bay. That is a, that is a strange collection of players. I think it's Devontae Adams and a bunch of guys who really aren't any good, and they got a lot out of those guys. So why, other than Rodgers, why do they get a lot of them? Because he knows how to use these pieces well in the structure of an offense. I would, I've been breaking the back for anybody this offseason, uh, especially wide receivers who cost you a lot of money. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. As you mentioned with Luke Getty, three of those wide receivers are going to be hitting free agency. You have Alan Lazard as well, and, and Scantling is going to be hitting for the free agency market. But look, the one thing that we always want, we did this last year on the show when it came to Justin Fields, where we just have to keep kind of banging our, banging our heads on the table, trying to get him to kind of fall down to the Bears. This year might be one of those where we're going to try and get Chris Olave to go down into that second round. So maybe... The, Justin Fields might get his favorite target from back in college. That would obviously be very, very good. But look, a big, a big part of this, and it is interesting to what you say there, Jeff, in terms of Luke Getzey and the fact that he was that wide receiver coach for so long, so he knows how to use these guys. So you can trust kind of what he goes in. And look, no, same thing. It's the one thing what we look at when it comes to these wide receivers is that there are a lot of those kind of second or third options that were may, maybe like that on another team, but then you can have one season where you completely break out. There's also other guys that are wanting out of their current situations and in their own teams. And it depends on kind of what the draft compensation or whatever compensation could be. So that is an interesting one. So I'll leave you both kind of with a a final note today. So now when we kind of look at the overall picture today, going forward, what's your biggest takeaway from what we've learned from the two heads of now the Chicago Bears organization from today? Well, from today, I just, uh, I mean, I, I think we have two guys in who, who have a vision, who obviously are in lockstep together because, you know, the GM brought in his head coach. Um, from what I see, as as Jeff was saying earlier, look, you know, press conference, you, you don't get any wins for press conference, but I am confident that I do believe that they 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 have a plan they have an idea, you know, they have staff that they want. We talked earlier about Albert Fluth bringing in his staff, which is great because obviously he's bringing in guys that he knows that he is obviously confident will help him, you know, improve this team. And they're obviously happy to, to follow him. So that's a good sign. Um, but look, you know, we, we'll see how it all goes. There is a lot of work for them to do now. There is There are holes in this in this squad that, you know, just need to be, need to be sorted out. And there is lots to be done. But I am confident 
that the two guys seem to have a vision, seem to have an aura about them. I mean, I think Albaflus feels like an authoritative head coach, you know, someone that, although reports say players love him and, and love being with him, but he still feels like that kind of coach that will get what he wants and will yeah. have a structure, you know, in there. So look, positive. They done, you know, I don't, I don't get winning press conferences, but they didn't lose the press conference for me. I think they came across well. They came across like they're the guys to be there. So look, time will tell, but happy enough. Yeah, that's the important thing that you just don't want to lose. You don't want to pull a Mark Trashman where you're going to say we're going to be yeah. selfish and, indus- and undisciplined. As long as you yeah. don't do that, you're okay. I generally, I generally don't believe like an old. Oh, they won the press conference, but you definitely can lose one, and that's you know. You and, I, and I think the guy is done well today. So. I mean, I can tell you, Ben do wore a suit the Giants press conference that wasn't that didn't fit him. He looked like a kid wearing his dad's clothes. And in New York, everyone was like, "What the hell's going on?" The Adam Gates press conference with the eyes, which got which got play all over Twitter. I mean, people in New York. I mean, guys, I live in New York. People in New York are like, "What in the hell is going on?" Tressman's hair. That press bring it up all the time. I saw that press conference with his hair, and I went, "Nope, we have no chance. This guy's gone in a couple of years. If you can't, if that's the way you present your hair." What chance do you have as a head coach in the in the NFL? <laughs> guys lose these press conferences all the time, and these guys they were the adults in that room today, and there was a lot of media members in that room. And I'm and that's, I'm making that point specifically. They were the adults in that room, and again, will it translate to wins and losses? They got to get the players right. They got to get better players in here. They got to get those players right. But I think as a Bears fan, if you watch those two guys today, there's nothing about that press conference that should give you any red flags. Those guys know. They have they have a vision. They're going to run this program the way they want to run this program. And as Bears fans and people covering this team, we have to hope that their vision is the correct one. Yeah, exactly. And I think yeah. that's a key thing from this is that there is a vision in place. Whether you want to be one of those people that believes it or not, because you wanted a different candidate, that doesn't matter anymore. These are the guys that are going to be running your organization. Be behind them. Trust in kind of what they do. Like I said comes to or other organizations when change kind of happens you look at see what they do rather than what they say and then you can judge it from that not from your preconceived notion of who exactly you wanted to be the gm or the head coach because at the end of the day hiring a gm or a head coach there's not an exact science to it that's why most teams fail that's why we have eight to ten head coaching openings every single season because most teams can't hire the right guy and hopefully people can finally see that there's this will take time. This isn't going to be one of those where you're just going to win like 13 games. <laughs> like it's going to take time. I, I have all these questions during that process, but like fans will be like, well, why aren't they hiring Morocco Brown? I'm like, what the fuck do you know about Morocco Brown? Yeah, yeah, but they Brown. read about them the day before. Somebody said something yeah, the day before. They only existed on Thursday. Now, all of a sudden, he's the guy for the job. He's the third in command. That a pro- How do you know that? Like, wait, I, I always want to question them. I, I, I get too antagonistic sometimes on Twitter, especially recently. But the I I always want to be like, can you can you give me a full report on why you think that the Bears should hire Ed Dodds? And include in that report the date you first heard his name, and if it's and if it's and if it's outside of the last week, you're fucking full of shit. So it's like we nobody knows. The teams don't know. There's a reason when these interview processes happen, it's the same eight guys interviewing at every job because they're all sort of pooling information. You don't know who's going to uh, ascend to the tops of these franchises, but you take your shots. That's why when everyone gets on the Bears for not having a team president that's football ops, 
Guys, once they hire the GM, that team president would have nothing to do. The GM yeah. runs football for the Bears, and they just have to hope they're going to get one of these right. This GM has a huge advantage. He doesn't have to think about quarterback for a couple of years. So he's just going to – he can focus everywhere else. He doesn't have to give up resources for a quarterback. He doesn't spend money on a quarterback. He's just got to build around the guy that's here. And if Poles can do that, it's going to be a long run. Yeah, I even just like there's been people kind of sending me certain tweets from different people and people saying that Eberflus and Poles don't sound convinced on Justin Fields. And I'm like, bullshit. I'm like, they haven't met the dude yet. And it it's one of these things that's so infuriating. I've I've spoken to a couple of fans over the last couple of days, and people are so obsessed with either Brian Dayball or Byron Leftwich when we as fans don't know jack shit what these guys actually do in the room we know that they're involved in an offense but you don't know kind of everything else look when we talk about Byron Leftwich right he could end up staying at Tampa Bay Tampa Bay doesn't have Brady and they can fucking suck and he doesn't get a head coach in the interview next year like that's how that's how this league changes every single year Dayball can go up now in New York and they can look even worse they could look better and then people will give him all the props and people will talk shit about Chicago again it's the, it's the way this works, but fans, I think, that they know exactly what's going to happen or that this is going to shit the bed because they hired a defensive coach. I laugh at that because they also mentioned the idea of Brian Dayball at Buffalo, and they failed to realize that Sean McDermott is probably the same situation that we're seeing right now, a defensive guy coming in. What do you think a lot of the fans in Buffalo were probably saying when Sean McDermott was coming in? They're probably hoping for this offensive guy. Once you put your staff together that can help develop the players on your football team, you can be successful. And the sooner that some of the Bears fans realize that and stop getting so focused on these, I guess, hot names, because this is kind of the last point. I'll I'll give it to you, Jeff, because it's been one thing that's been pissing me off for the last kind of week. The hot name when we were going this last time was fucking Matt Nagy, and look how that fucking ended out, right? <laughs> At the, it, it's so it's so infuriating. I see the same people talk about why didn't we go and get this offensive coordinator? Why didn't we get Byron Leftwich? Well, maybe because his plan sucks. Maybe because they don't believe in what he was giving them, and you can't hire someone if they don't do well in the interview. I'm sorry, but that's what they, this they like, is. They like Byron. I mean, they did like Byron, but they, they were there was questions about whether he could put a staff together and. Listen, I've heard the arguments. Look at Zach Taylor. Look at Matt LaFleur. Go get the hot young guys. You know, the guy doesn't come with the quarterback. So, you know, if, if, if Zach Taylor was a terrible coach till Joe Burrow showed up. And then when, when Burrow got hurt, the team was awful, right? Something tells me the quarterback has a little bit more to do with that than Zach Taylor. Matt LaFleur, right? Okay, they're winning 13 games a year. What's happened to them in the postseason? When the points, when Aaron's not having his great games, that team doesn't look great. You know, they, Kyle Shanahan, a better coach than all of them, news for them. But Kyle Shanahan has Jimmy Garoppolo throwing balls in a triple coverage all the time, and you can't win that way. He gave up how many picks do you all get at Trey Lance, who is in witness protection now? Where is he? Yeah. <laughs> I was saying he had packages for him at the beginning of the season. I was saying, nobody else. I go, did they send him some? Did they send him away? Like, he's not even, they don't even throw him on the field anymore. So this idea that, that the hot, Brian Dayball, the Giants should know, he doesn't come with Josh Allen. Like, you don't get Brian Dable and he puts Josh Allen in a bag. You still, at the end of the day, have Daniel Jones. Now, Dable might bring another quarterback with him down there, and that's going to be fun as hell to watch all summer long because I think he wants to bring Mitch, and I think Mitch versus Danny Dimes next summer. I'm going. I'll go far. 
I'll be there. I'm going to abandon the Bears block for the summer. I'll be there every single day. I'll take videos. I'll do everything. The, you'll be these, like that. You'll be like those reporters. <laughs> Sorry, you'll be like those reporters that, that went to New Orleans just to see how, what Dicka was doing every single day. <laughs> I'm, just doing, I'm just doing daily reports that no Bears fans give a shit about. It's just like, oh, Dimes, I thought Dimes won today. Uh, th- there's no such thing as the hot coordinator that's an automatic as a, as a head coach. It just doesn't it never existed. I always use the same example. There is, you would have, you'd be hard pressed to find a better coordinator in the history of the league than Norv Turner. Norv Turner is one of the great offensive minds this league has ever seen. It didn't translate to a head, to a head coach. It just didn't, right? You'd hard pressed to find a better defensive coordinator in the history of this league than Wade Phillips. What he has achieved as a DC for decades is remarkable. He was a terrible head coach. It's a different job. And until you have the quarterback, you know, I was reading Dave Burkett. He's a great writer in the free press. He says, wow, the Lions are, it looks like the rebuild is working. The Lions haven't even started the rebuild yet. Because until you have your quarterback, and until that quarterback, you know he's going to be there for long term, that's what starts your rebuild. So when Bears fans talk about they need to rebuild everything, they started last year. That's the second they drafted Justin Fields, that rebuild started. And they have to hope now, since they got that piece in place, George has to hope he's just hired the right GM and the right head coach to develop the program around that player. It's not an easy job, right? 28 teams, 20, let's call it 25 teams, get it wrong constantly. There's five or six that we see in the playoffs every year because they've got the quarterbacks, and the quarterbacks are great. So if they get if this program works around Justin Fields, the Bears are going to be one of these teams that's around 10 wins every year, meaningful games in December, in the tournament. When you get in, you have a shot. And that's all you can hope for in this league. Now, you're seeing teams lose that you don't think should lose. It's hard to win a title. But what you have to do to be a successful franchise is be in contention late December every year. Get in the tournament because the teams that get in the most are the teams that win. Yeah, look, I hate to say how on on such a basic level it is, is if you have the quarterback, if your quarterback develops, if Justin Fields becomes a very good quarterback, it doesn't really matter what else is there. We've seen it with other guys. Like Obviously, you want a certain amount of talent. You see with Joe Burrow, there's a lot of kind of pieces around him. But some of the players that he was making by himself in that game, like you can see that potential. You see it with Pat Mahomes. He made the fucking Super Bowl, and his offensive line couldn't block for two seconds. So... At the end of the day, the quarterback helps everything. If Justin Fields is good, this Bears team will be good. This coaching staff will get loads of praise, and that's really what it comes down to. If Justin Fields develops properly, then the Bears will be on to a winner. If he doesn't, they're going to be starting all this process again where they're going to have to try and find another quarterback. And unfortunately, that's what it all comes down to. If you get that quarterback position right, you look like a genius. That's why Buffalo looked like a genius, even though they also traded their picks and didn't pick Pat Mahomes. The fact that they picked Josh Allen means that everybody there to get their assistant GM hired, uh, Brian Dayball gets hired, everybody's looking like a genius there. But if they didn't pick Josh Allen and they let Pat Mahomes go, it'd be the complete opposite. Brian Dayball wouldn't be in New York right now. (laughs) Shane wouldn't be in New York right now. It'd be different guys. So, Unfortunately, that's what it comes down to. Jeff, it was great having you on again. We love kind of getting to talk about this stuff. We'll probably have you on in a couple more weeks when we get closer to kind of free agency and, and things like that. So we really appreciate your time over the last couple of weeks and 
obviously we'll be staying in touch. Do you want to let the guys know if there's any new kind of uh, stories that you guys have coming up on the on the Bears blog? We got uh, after the Super Bowl, John Wood, who's a very good writer, is going to do a deep dive, eight part series on Justin Fields' rookie season. And you take it from every aspect, from analytics to philosophy to everything. And I've been seeing this thing starts rolling in. It's super interesting. This guy is a he's a he's a scientist. Like that's what he does for a living. So all of his writing is data driven. And I always get smarter reading it. Uh, and I'm going to have something up, I think, tomorrow on on this process being the definitive uh, process for George McCaskey. Uh, and I'll be talking about Crazy Jacket George and all that stuff and adding my own bits and pieces uh, that I've learned over the last couple of weeks to that process. I, I have really changed my opinion of George. Now, I don't know if it's concrete, but uh, I have very little respect for the man two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. Yeah. I, I really believe that that this could be uh, could have changed him. I think the guy that started with, I'm just a fan, I'm not sure that's where he is now. Now, that'd be a quick transition, but I'm just not sure. I think something has changed for him in the last few weeks. And if it and if it has, it's really good news for the Bears. Yeah, and the one thing that the Bears really need to do is they need to push that crazy jacket George jackets out there because yeah. people, people will start Tell them at the airport. Tell them at the airport. The, 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 the symmetry is perfect. Set up a kiosk at the airport, put the picture of the two of them walking there. Say, so you, now you can be crazy jacket George I for $99.99. At that particular baggage claim area where where uh, right came to him up. At whatever That's cafe it. that kid was sitting at when he caught that picture, which is amazing to think about social media, that this random kid was just sitting at a table, and if he doesn't take that picture, we never know that happened. We would not have known that. No one was going to report that. that. That didn't get out there. We probably do not know that happened if he doesn't take that random snapshot uh, at night. So it's an amazing thing, but... I, I'm really hoping that George changed here over this process, and uh, I'd like to believe that he did. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you know, great to have you back on the show as well. For anybody that's listening at the moment, make sure that you check us out tomorrow as well because we will have Bears inside linebacker, so Joel Iebuniwe on the show. So that'll be an interesting one. We'll be asking him all about his time over the last number of seasons, what it's been like, kind of the whole, I guess, the culture around the Chicago Bears and what it's been like over the last number of seasons. If this is the first show that you've kind of listened to, make sure you do subscribe over to YouTube. If you prefer listening on the audio forums, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you give us a follow over on onto Twitter. And until next time, all we can say is bear down. Bear down. Bear down.